sermon series is looking at a variety of different people who encountered Jesus in the Gospels. Last week, we kicked off the series and we looked at James and John, two guys that, that were disciples of Jesus, became apostles of Jesus, uh, eventually uh, you know, were, were used by him to spread the gospel, but they didn't start real well. They started off their ministry with Jesus by uh, really displaying their arrogance uh, and their pride and their lack of care, their lack of service for other people. They went to Jesus one day and they said, Lord, we've been looking around and, and, and the guys that the 12 you picked out were definitely the two best. So how about when you come into your kingdom, one of us sits on your right hand and one of you uh, sits on your left hand. Uh, you know, we're, we're the best guys here. You should, you should have us closest. They had an attitude that wasn't a, of service, but an attitude of, of self-promotion. And we're going to look at the response of Jesus to that statement this morning. We looked at it from Luke's gospel last week, but thinking about service this morning, we're going to look at it from Matthew chapter 20, uh, because the name 2028 actually comes from the verse Matthew 2028. So hear the word of God as Jesus is talking about serving. And when the 10 heard it, when the other 10 disciples heard about what James and John did, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and that, their, uh, and that their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Let's pray for just a moment. I'm going to invite you to have just a moment of silent prayer and ask God to speak to you this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together this morning. Lord, we thank you for uh, the day in, in our culture we call Father's Day. Thank you for uh, the dads in this room, for the fathers who have come before us uh, and have cared well for us. Father, I pray for the fathers in this room, uh, the responsibility that you have given us, the opportunity you have given us to point our children to you, to love them well in Christ. Lord, I, I pray for uh, every dad in this room and, and grandpa, that you would uh, rule and reign in our hearts, that your Holy Spirit and that your word uh, would uh, dictate the way we think, the way we act, and that we would reflect uh, your fatherhood to us, to the next generation. Father, we thank you for this word about service this morning. Lord, we, we had a fun time in the rain yesterday getting out and serving our neighbors and enjoying uh, that time with one another. Uh, but Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us to build on that. That it wouldn't just be a day in the year where we think about service and then we kind of move on with the rest of our lives, but that we would consider what it means to be your servants this morning. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit and your word would teach us. What I have to say isn't very important. Lord, I pray that you would protect us from my wisdom. I pray that you'd forgive me my sin, that I wouldn't be a hindrance to what you teach us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you are servants of Christ. Question is, are we disciples of servants who live in a way that reflects his mercy to a lost 
and hurting world. That's what we want to consider this morning, uh, the notion of servanthood among the Christian community. There are a lot of different ways that we are defined. Uh, Servant isn't the only way, but it's certainly one of the ways that Christ calls us to understand our relationship with him and, as importantly, our relationship with one another. So since we spent some time yesterday serving uh, and celebrating service, we thought it'd be good to turn our attention to this topic this morning to, to ask the question, do I see myself, if I'm a disciple, as a servant of Christ and therefore taking that service and care to the people around me? Three observations in this text this morning. Uh, the first is this, that Jesus calls his disciples, these 12 apostles, and he's calling us this morning to a new focus, to a new way of looking at our lives when it comes to service. In verses 25 through 27, Jesus begins to unpack this. And he calls them to himself, and he says this, you guys know something. Now, when, when you think about Jesus' teaching, most often when you read the gospel, Jesus is saying something like, now you've heard that it was taught this way, but I, I've got to correct that for you. I've got, to, I've got to make sure you understand what you're supposed to understand. Or Jesus would say to his disciples, where's your faith? Why, why aren't you trusting in me more? And most oftentimes, Jesus would be correcting or perhaps introducing something new, but not in this case. Jesus is starting out by saying, we all know that this is true. What do we know is true? The rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. What is Jesus referring to here? He's talking about your natural inclination and my natural inclination to want to be first, to want to be at, at the top of the pile, to want to be the one who has the best seat or the best opportunities. And what the Gentile leaders are doing is what comes naturally to them. You don't have to be taught to put yourself first. You don't have to learn that. You, that comes to you naturally. When, when you were a little tiny baby and you didn't get fed fast enough, what did you do? You cried. You, you made your wishes known to the people around you. It didn't matter if it was 2.30 in the morning and your mom and dad had already fed you three times. Right? It didn't matter that they were exhausted. You needed food and you needed it now. That comes to us naturally. Uh, when I was young and growing up, and the, and the same thing happened when our children uh, were growing up, and we'd be going someplace, going to the grocery store, going out to dinner, going to somebody's game, and we're all coming out to the car at the same time. And everybody's headed for the car, and somebody shouts out the word first that had everybody. What's the one word you shout out when you're going to the car? Shotgun. Shotgun. <laughs> I get the best seat. You get in the back seat. I get the best seat. We naturally, we're good at it. You want to know what you're good at? You want to know what you're great at? If I want to know what I'm really good at, I'm good at putting myself first. But not only that, we're trained to think this way. The rulers of the Gentiles were trained to, to exercise authority. They, they were taught in leadership school that, that you got to, if you hold the power, hold it tight. And, and understand that if you're not at the top of the heap, then you haven't made it yet and you need to keep pushing ahead. What, what did all of St. Louis celebrate? What have we been celebrating for the past 72 hours? The end of 51 and a half years of hockey futility. <laughs> Think about that for just a second. <laughs> there have been some amazing hockey moments in St. Louis. There have been some wild success stories in St. Louis. But because we didn't get to the top of the heap, it was all meaningless. 
That's how we think naturally. That's how we've been trained to think. That's why I was so upset when the Cubs won the World Series, because I had to stop mocking their fans. Right? <laughs> and Jesus says, that's, that's how you used to think. But now you're with me, and there's a different way to go about it. The kingdom of God is radically different from that which you naturally think and, that's what, that, and that which you have, have been taught. And it's about the transforming of our minds and our desires to the likeness of Christ. So Jesus says in verse 26, it shall not be so among you. Well, why not, Lord? What's, what's wrong with that paradigm? Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Jesus says, not so among you, not so among my followers. You call yourselves my, my disciples. You call yourselves folks who follow me. So this paradigm doesn't work in this community. We do something radically different. We think in a different way. We think that service is actually the calling in our lives. We understand that those who serve others, that those who give of themselves, a lot of you are sitting here this morning in peace and quiet, and you have young children, and your young children are downstairs right now, and you're getting, uh, if nothing else, whether you hear anything I say or not, you're getting a few moments respite because someone's serving you right now. The teachers and the helpers in those Sunday school classes are serving your children, and they're serving you by helping point them to Jesus. Somebody handed you a program when you walked in this morning. They were serving you. Hundreds of you spread out all over St. Louis yesterday and served other folks. That's one of the defining characteristics of the kingdom of God, not putting ourselves first, not demanding our own way, but having a new focus that says not so with us. We want to celebrate service. So the question this morning is for each one of us individually is, how is it with me? Do I see myself as a servant in the kingdom of God? That's the first observation. Do we have the focus that Jesus is offering? The second is this. If you embrace that lifestyle, if you embrace that focus, it's good to know that you will never, ever outserve Jesus. When I was uh, a, a young teenager, when I was 15, getting ready to turn 16, uh, my dad said to me and my mom said to me, uh, when you turn 16, you're going to get a job. And when you, and it's in the summer, you're going to have a full-time job. And you're going to go look for one until you get one. And then you're going to work full-time all summer. And during the school year, you're going to have a part-time job. But in the Rick's household, everybody works. That's just the way it was. It wasn't a conversation. It wasn't a suggestion. That's the way life was. And my dad led more by example than he did by, by, by teaching me, but he did embed one thing deeply in my mind that I remember to this day. My dad said, if you want to be successful, if you want to be a leader at whatever you do, be the first one to show up and be the last one to go home. What was he saying? Don't let your, uh, your approach to work be less than someone else's. Jesus calls us to serve one another. Jesus calls us to, to, to be enslaved to one another, to, to do whatever is necessary to care for one another. Who is Jesus to say that? Well, look at verse 28. Even as the Son of Man, he's talking about himself now, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The day that I am able to give my life 
as a sacrifice for your sins, that will be the day that I serve as much as Jesus. Obviously, that is a statement beyond lunacy. Jesus offered a sacrifice that is beyond compare. He was not only the first one in and the last one out. He was the only one that could go in and redeem us through his death on the cross. He was the only one that could be raised from the dead in order to pay for your sins and for my sins. And so when Jesus calls me to have a heart of a servant, he's calling me to follow him in his choice and the way he lived and served. And if you want to really get a good uh, succinct definition of this, go to Philippians chapter 2 and look at how Paul sums up the sacrifice of Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves. Think this way. That's what Paul's saying. Think like Jesus thought. Well, how did Jesus think? Though he was in the form of God, or or the, the literal there is, though that in very nature he was God, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself and taking on the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus calls us to follow him into service, but we'll never be able to outserve him. We'll never be a moment where you say, well, I'm working so hard, Lord, what have you done lately? There's nothing more discouraging than working for someone who's lazy. There's nothing more discouraging than having a supervisor or a person in authority over you that doesn't care as much as you and doesn't work as hard as you. It, it causes you to, be, uh, to have at least some unrest in your soul, if not just flat out completely frustrated and find yourself looking for a new job. But when you find an inspirational leader, you want to stick with him or her. You want, to, you want to follow them because you know that, that they're going to go as far or further than you. And that's what Jesus is saying is, look how far I've come for you. Look at what I've done. I simply want you to follow that example. So a day of service yesterday is wonderful. It's remarkable. It's a great experience. For those of you that, that didn't get the chance this year, I hope you'll sign up and join us next year. Going on a short-term mission trip it is an excellent opportunity to learn about service, and it is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of our money. It's a sacrifice of our time, of, of our energy. But even a, a life of service, even, even, even spending uh, the, you know, the bulk of my time in service can't match the sacrifice that Christ has done, has given for us. But what it does, when I think about serving, and let me, let me just stop for a second and say, serving comes in a variety of different shapes and forms. I mentioned Sunday school teachers downstairs and folks handing out programs. And I think of the, the Stephen ministers who, who care for us emotionally. Think about the elders who care for this church and work for, for you and for me spiritually to care for us. Serving comes in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. It's, it's not just physical serving, but it reinforces when we serve, it reinforces our thankfulness for the service that Christ rendered on our behalf. And it creates within us, I believe, a willingness to follow his lead, which leads me to my third observation this morning, and it's this. We must remember the one whom we truly serve. It's easy to have our, surface, uh, our service focus on humanity's needs, uh, to look around us and say, boy, there, there's some real challenges in this world. There's some real problems that need to be addressed, and, and we, we want to make a, a list and, and get after it. But surface focused on our ability 
to meet those needs. Or, or a service that is focused on humanity's needs will never be enough. There's too little of the former, of my ability. There's, I, I, have, I don't have enough ability to take care of all the, all the service opportunities in the world. And I'm unable to meet the demands of the need. Think about the, the trip that we do every January. Drew Smith, I'm going to put you on the spot for just a second. How many homes do you think over the past 12 or 15, how many homes do you think we've built in, in Mexico? Close to 100. Okay, so there, there are close to 100 families in this particular part of Mexico who were homeless, who are not homeless anymore. That's remarkable. That's, that's outstanding. But there are thousands more that still don't have homes. And if you focus on just your ability to meet the need, or you focus on the need itself, it will become overwhelming. So if we're going to serve with passion, if we're going to serve with grace, and we're going to serve with humility, how do we focus? Where do we look? We remember the one whom we serve. Look at how Paul identifies himself in several different letters in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says this, Paul a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Philippians chapter 1, Paul and Timothy, he throws Timothy in the mix. You wonder if Timothy was sitting there going, just put your name on, you don't need to, you don't need to include me there. You, you're, they know you. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. And then when he writes to a young pastor, he, Titus was a, was a young pastor, uh, probably in his 20s, just coming up. Just, just trying to learn the trade a little bit. And he was a disciple of Paul. Paul was trying to help him have a good framework for how to think about his life. And what does he say? Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. You couldn't be Titus and read that introduction and think that you should be anything other than a servant of God. We need to remember the one whom we serve. Ultimately, it's not the, the, the folks we serve. It's not the family members or the, or the neighbors or the, or the people in our office, or the ministry partners that we have when we serve on 2028 or go on a mission trip, but rather it's the Lord Jesus himself that we're serving. I was talking to a friend the other day, and uh, he was explaining to me a, a, a technique he has developed in helping him when he has a disagreement with his spouse. Uh, and he said, when I have a disagreement with my spouse, I, I automatically want to uh, remind her that, that she's wrong and, and I'm right uh, 100% of the time. And, uh, and I can be pretty aggressive about that. Uh, and I know that that's wrong. And I'm like, okay, good. We're making progress. That's, that's, we're going the right direction. But then he said, I thought something very simple, but very profound. He said, so when I start to fuss at her, I just kind of pretend like I'm looking over her shoulder and Jesus is standing behind her looking at me. He said, that kind of changes my tone of voice. <laughs> that's exactly right. It sure does. When you look for the service opportunity in your life, are you looking at what's naturally in front of you, or are you seeing the Lord Jesus? Are you understanding that he's ultimately the one whom we serve? And just to remind us one more time, he's the one who gave the perfect example. In John chapter 6, Jesus says this to uh, the folks who are asking him about his ministry. He says, I did not come down from heaven, not, I, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus is saying, I came here to serve God. He's the one I'm serving, and your redemption is what I'm purchasing with my service, but my service first and foremost is to God my Father. Brothers and sisters, I believe that at Green Tree Community Church, our spiritual family must embrace this new focus, 
no longer living as the Gentiles, no, no longer shouting shotgun as we run out of the church and into our community, but looking for the opportunities to serve because we know we'll never outserve the one who gave his life for us and always remembering that ultimately he is the one we serve. If we are disciples of Jesus, you and I are servants of Christ. The question is, do we live in a way that reflects his mercy to a lost and hurting world? Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we cannot begin to thank you for your service to lost and broken folks like us. When we dwell upon your sacrifice and your service, we are overwhelmed by your grace, by your mercy. And that's a good thing. Lord, we need a lot less of our own pride and a lot more of the heart of Jesus. Teach us your servant's heart. Embed it deep in our hearts and our minds that we would bring glory to you and that we would serve you with joy. And in doing so, we have an impact on this community and beyond for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray in your name. Amen.